The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. That was a passage that came out of Isaiah that was prophesied about Jesus. But then when Jesus started his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he got the scrolls out and he read this out to the people that were listening. And it was like his proclamation of what God had sent him to do. It was his job description, effectively. And we can break that proclamation down into about five different areas of ministry. The first one was Jesus was going to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that sin can be forgiven, that God's wrath can be against you, but there's a way to find peace with God and have a relationship with God. And Jesus, everywhere he went, he preached the kingdom of God, preached the gospel to anyone that would listen, for anyone that had spiritual ears, he would teach to every town, every village, the same message, God is coming. And he wants a relationship with you, but sin has to be removed. Repent, be baptised, receive the Spirit and get in God's kingdom and get a part of this kingdom. Be a part of it. Be a spearhead for the kingdom of God. But Jesus didn't do any of that preaching until the Spirit of God anointed him, empowered him, set him apart, gave him the capacity to do these things. And then he went out and he preached. And then he taught about alleviating physical infirmity. Open the eyes of the blind. That part of Jesus' ministry was going to be healing, physical healing, touching the lepers, touching the blind, the lame. Anyone who had infirmity, Jesus went around bringing the kingdom of God into a collision course with the kingdom of darkness and demonstrating that God had greater power over the human body. And so we read almost every page of the New Testament, the book of Acts, where there was healing, 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 physical healing. But then Jesus talked about setting captives free. He wasn't just talking about physical ailments. He was also talking about where the kingdom of darkness had taken up residence in people's lives and there was demonic oppression or possession. And we, are, we read in the scriptures many times where Jesus drove out demons and part of the, the problem was that, the, you know, healing's not just our bodies. It can be our spirit as well, and it can also be our soul. Jesus said that part of his ministry was to bind up the brokenhearted. There's lots of people in our nation, in our communities, whose hearts have just been shattered by life. They're broken people. And there needs to be a, a healing to their hearts so they can function normal. They don't know how to have a relationship because the relationship that they've had in life from mum and dad or brothers and sisters or community has just damaged them. And so they're so fearful about relationship and it's a bit like, well, I'll get you before you get me. And so a lot of people operate out of rejection or they don't feel accepted. And Jesus wanted to, to minister to that and bring people out of that dysfunction and into a place where they could love other people. And so we've got all these types of healing. So it's, it's, it's emotional, it's mental, it's physical, 
and it's spiritual. And so if we're going to look at the topic of healing, it's multi-layered. It's complicated. Because the reason why people are sometimes physically infirmed is because there's another issue underlying that. We might be praying for the physical healing, but there might be another reason why that physical problem is there. It might be related to you know, stress or anxiety or unforgiveness or bitterness. Or... So this is a complicated topic as we talk about healing. But it was the majority of what Jesus did. 90% of his ministry had to do with healing, touching people demonstrating the power of God, that it was real. And Jesus had all sorts of context in which he was healing people. And I think if we're going to be people that minister to others, we've got to get a handle on healing. Because 90% of the time, that's what we will be doing. We'll be dealing with the strongholds that people have in their mind. And because of these strongholds in their mind, certain behaviours happen. So if we're going to deal with addictions... Is, is, is an addiction a physical problem? Or is it a spiritual problem? Or is it a mental problem? Or is it all of them put together? And so we need great wisdom in knowing how to bring people through and to bring them to wholeness like Jesus did. And I don't think it was complicated. I think Jesus had a very simple ministry of how to heal people, and we're going to look at that today. So healing is the very tangible expression of the battlefront of the collision of the kingdom of God and Satan. No other way would you more easily be able to prove that God is greater than Satan than to take someone who's physically infirmed and have them healed instantly there on the spot. It would demonstrate any words that you used were true, wouldn't they? If you had a leper there and you said, in the name of Jesus, be healed, he was healed, I guarantee you, you'd get people's attention. Doesn't mean they'd follow Jesus, but you would get their attention. It would prove what you are speaking. It would prove the gospel that God was far greater than anything on this earth. So God's power is undoing what the enemy has inflicted upon people. It rallies people, it restores them, and it empowers believers to build the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I get really excited when somebody gets healed because I know that God is there and I know that God is moving, and I know that there's faith being activated, and I know that there's people trusting in the name and the power of God to do something beyond themselves. And when we are a community of people that believe that way, it's like a self-perpetuating faith movement. Because as we see more and more of it happening, we get more and more excited about it, and it snowballs. And there's a lot of healing that happens. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, noted that he was anointed first with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all. Notice that little word. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then when Jesus set us part the 72 to go out and minister, um, they returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. A couple of points I want to make out of that. The name of God is very significant when we come to healing because it's not any of us that are doing any healing. It's God. In the Old Testament, his name was Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And he is a God who heals. He heals us all the time. And he longs to heal us more and more. But it's his name that's significant. 
so I could, in the name of Shane Warne, be healed. Nothing's going to happen. There's no power in his name. He has no authority in his name. But all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And so in the name of Jesus, we can come in his authority, under his headship, and begin to minister to people. It's an integral part of the DNA of the Godhead to heal people. God wants to heal people. He wants to see them saved and come into the knowledge of God. He wants to see their physical ailments not cripple them from doing life. He wants to get people into a place where they're whole for the purpose of being a minister to other people. There's an old saying that goes something like, hurt people hurt people. I don't know how true it is, but there's a, there's a place in which if we are going to be good stewards of the kingdom of God, we need to be people that are functioning out of a healthy place. And I think part of discipleship is allowing God to heal us and restore us and to build us up so that we are healthy people, speaking healthy things, having healthy relationships, having a theology that's healthy and not twisted and bent so that we represent Jesus and his wholeness and his goodness. It's a complex issue, though. Whenever we talk about healing, we know that not everybody gets healed. And there's all sorts of reasons why that might happen, and we can get into big debates about, well, was this missing, or is that not happening? And it's one of those subjects where we need to be really sensitive that people are on a journey in trying to understand healing and how it applies to them. Um, but I want to look today at, I guess, what the, what the Bible is telling us about healing. Because if you're someone who's sick and someone talks about healing in such a way that you feel patronised, it can do a lot of damage. But then should we err on the side of saying we don't want to set it, upset anybody so we won't have this belief and this you know, gusto that God wants to do these things? So we've got to handle the topic carefully. And I think Jesus is our best example. He was able to heal by exercising his authority because he knew who to command and what to command. He wasn't double-minded about what he was doing. He knew exactly what to do in every situation. He even got to situations where there was a whole lot of sick people lying around a pool. Numerous sick people who'd been there for decades and God chose one man and healed him when really he could have healed them all, Jesus had the discernment to know that his father was saying just that one. And sometimes we need to have that sensitivity to God to know, God, what are you asking me to do? He knew when the sick person needed a deeper faith in him and how to help that sick person grow in faith. He knew whether unforgiveness or other sins were the causes of sickness and whether the devil was involved in that sickness. Jesus rose early in the morning to listen to the Father and he prayed into the night on many occasions. Jesus did not pray for healing, but before healing. You notice that Jesus never prayed for someone to get well. He didn't say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, that's him, but Father in heaven. <laughs> that was dumb, wasn't it? That was really dumb. I've got the man flu, forgive me. But Jesus didn't go like, Lord, I pray for Nathan and I, I, I pray that he'll get healed in your name. You know, 
He commanded healing. Be well. That was it. Because of the authority that he had, and he knew his authority, and he knew what the Father had told him to do, and I think that's the key. If we know what God is telling us to do, then we never overstep the mark, and we never understep the mark. And Jesus said, I never do anything but what the Father tells me to do. So when he comes to a situation where there's lots of sick people, Jesus goes, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Heal that one. There's no arguments. There's no complications. Jesus didn't go around having a 50% margin or whether it's right or wrong. He healed all because he healed the ones that God showed him to pray for. And there's a key to that, that sometimes we rush in and we don't even ask God, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do? Not everyone gets healed. Paul prayed three times, Lord, take this thorn of the flesh away from me. And we're not sure what that is. But he wasn't healed. And God goes on to say, well, I'm going to teach you to rely on my grace in that hardship. We know that when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said to Timothy, you know, take a little wine for that stomach complaint that you've got. So even the apostle Paul couldn't heal his protege. There was still a sickness there. And we don't really know why. And that's why I'm saying it's a complicated subject. But if you listen to me carefully, I think our starting point needs to always be believing that God wants to do something. Always wants to do something. There's this great story in Scripture about a centurion who sends word to Jesus that one of his servants who he loved very much was sick. And he wanted Jesus to come and heal him, touch him. But this guy knew that Jesus didn't have to be there physically. All he had to do was say the word, command the healing, and he'd be healed. And that's the type of mindset I think we need to have as a church, as individuals. You know, Jesus said, I haven't seen that sort of faith in the whole of Israel. That one centurion man believed that if Jesus just said it was done, it was done. So we've got a great example of Jesus and we've got a great example of people. And these shall be the signs that follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and they will drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So we know this is to be our ministry. And we know we need to get this ministry right, because we don't want to damage people in the process. We want to see them come through to wholeness. So our starting point always has to be the bold, audacious belief that God does heal and nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for God. Our job is just to pray for healing as we feel God lead us. It's God that does the healing. We've just got to be believing in every situation and we've got to be bold about it and we've got to be audacious about it and I don't think you should ever, ever apologise. If you believe God's going to heal people, don't ever let anybody water that down for you. But be careful how you use that passion because you can destroy people. But I'm not asking you to water down your passion. I'm asking you to have that passion, maintain that passion and trust in God because without faith it's impossible to please God. And the more faith we have, the more likely there is going to be healing. And so we need to cultivate an environment where faith is always building and activated. And we don't want to hurt people in the process, but we don't want to be faint-hearted either. We don't want to operate from doubt and fear. 
So if you don't share the same passion or conviction about healing, then don't judge someone because they they choose to approach healing with a bold sense of confidence. Does that make sense? So if you're someone who's got a healing gift and you've seen people healed time and time again, you're going to believe that God can do great things. And we should encourage those people to operate in their gift and believe that place. But if you do have that strong conviction and passion about healing, don't judge someone because they are not healed or don't share the same assurance as you. Because they may be on a journey and they may be learning more and more about healing. There may be reasons why they're not healed that are very hurtful and sensitive to them. And we can steamroll over them, but we really want to see them come through. So our task is to pray, believe in, and to let God take care of the rest. So we've got to hold some room in our theology that not everyone gets healed. If you think about healing, what's the ultimate healing in our life? No, the ultimate healing in our life is that we would never die. We would be immortal. That's the ultimate healing, that our physical bodies would never decay, that we would live forever. Now, that's going to happen, but we're going to get a new body in God. And so if you have a theology where God heals everybody all the time, 100%, then you've got to hold true to the fact that no one should ever age. But there's a kingdom that has come that is reversing the kingdom of darkness. And in many situations, God's going to turn that around. But we still live in sin, in an environment of sin. And the ultimate price of that is that we're going to die. And God's chosen not to stop that here and now, but to let us enter the grave and come out the other side. So we've got to hold some room in our theology that not everyone gets healed. But that doesn't have to govern our theology and make us weak-willed and faint-hearted. Sometimes people don't get healed. This is my friend Tim. He was my youth pastor at Mount Tambourine Baptist Church. He died two weeks ago of a stage four brain cancer. A horrible death. Okay? I've never met anyone on the face of this planet that had more faith than that young man. He would not allow anyone around his bedside, any of his family that were negative, that spoke doom and gloom, he wouldn't let them near him. He just had this belief that God was going to heal him. Now, he was diagnosed with brain four cancer, terminal cancer, 18 months ago, and the doctors gave him two weeks to live. They said, have a look at the brain tumour. It's impossible for you to live. Now, God healed him. That brain tumour disappeared, and he was able to testify to all the doctors and nurses how God had healed him, and they were all scoffing and mocking, and God healed him. But the tumour came back, and God healed it again. And then the tumour came back 10 times bigger this time and nearly exploded his head. And then he slipped into a coma and he died. Now, where's God in all that? All the way through. Okay? But did God ultimately save him from dying? No, he didn't. But did God glorify himself in that sickness? Absolutely. I was at the funeral of about 400 people. The funeral went for two and a half hours. Tim was the chaplain in two primary schools, non-Christian primary schools. And I can tell you all the faculty of the school were there. And they were all testifying to how this young man and his attitude towards life and his belief in people 
and his influence on people gave glory to God. It was an amazing time. At the end of it, they had a worship time. And it wasn't all sullen and it was a full-on praising God for this young man's life. But God didn't heal him. His wife went to the graveside believing that God was going to raise him from the dead. She had faith. And we could come along and say to Marika, Marika, you're a foolish girl. Why would you think like that? But would you condemn her for her faith? Not at all. Because she put her trust that God might have had a bigger plan and a bigger picture that she knew about. And she was trusting in God. You know, Hebrews talks about, and the women receive back their dead. It happens. I know from our time in Fiji, we've seen two people raised from the dead. So I know it happens. But how should we treat her for her faith? Should we treat her with contempt? Should we douse the flames of, a, of the passion in her heart? No, we shouldn't. Not everyone gets healed, but everyone gets glorified if they look to Jesus and they look to God in their sickness. There's a lot of reasons why healing doesn't happen. It's really complicated. Sometimes it's just as simple because there's unbelief. People just don't believe that God can do it. Christian people believe that God can't do it. And we've got to overcome that unbelief. We need to have a belief system in Jesus who can do all things. That's got to be our starting point. We should always come with boldness believing. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus kneeling down and said to him, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Sometimes the problem about healing is us. We don't have enough faith and trust and belief in our God who can heal. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be rooted up and cast into the sea. So part of the equation of healing is that we need to have faith and not unbelief. And I'm sure many of you have got into situations where you've been praying for someone and those clouds of doubt begin to come. Oh, is God really going to do anything here? I'm looking at how sick they are, how debilitated they are. Uh, it's almost impossible. We went to Fiji in September last year and we played for a little guy called Ian. When we got to the hospital, um, they basically said to us, he's dying, he's going to be dead in a few days. His stomach was about here, this big. His kidneys were infected. His, um, all his internal organs were blown out of proportion. His legs were about that thick. He looked like death warmed up. It was so sad. I had Mel and Sherry, my two daughters here, bawling their eyes out. And I had Cheryl next to me, I think. Were you there, Darren? Darren was there. So he can testify that this is a true story. And we prayed for him. And we asked God with every bit of faith we could muster to heal that young man and restore life to him. And so I went back to Fiji with some of the boys a little bit later and walked into the hospital ward to inquire about this young man, expecting that he'd still be there or he'd be dead. 
And so when I got there, I walked through the ward to where he was, and his bed was gone, and he wasn't there. So I assumed he was dead. And I walked up to the head nurse, and I said, oh, we prayed for a young man called Ian. Oh, Ian, he had the most remarkable recovery. About two weeks ago, it's just like his weight started to restore and his, all his internal organs settled down. He actually walked out of here. Now, God didn't do it there in front of us, but it happened. So who gets the glory? God did. But healing's not black and white and it's not simple, but we've got to believe that God can do something and wants to do something. Sometimes it's our technique. Jesus said this kind of sickness or this kind of deliverance ministry doesn't happen unless there's prayer or fasting. Sometimes we've got to be in a place where we're really in tune with God and we've really waited upon God and we've fasted and we've prayed and we're not taking this flippantly. We're very serious about dealing with this issue. That's why the disciples couldn't do it. They just weren't in a place. And Jesus said you've got to learn the right technique to press in and pray. You guys know Ken Fish that often comes and does ministry here. That guy spends incredible time with God, hours and hours and hours of praying and preparing himself for those moments when he gets the opportunity to pray. He readies himself and gets himself into that place of fasting and, and sort of yeah demonstrating that he's ready to do that. Sometimes it's just our technique. Sometimes it's perseverance. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we pray for healing and then we give up. And sometimes we've got to push in and we've got to press on. We've got to keep pressing and keep pressing and keep pressing. That's the old saying, push, pray until something happens. You know, sometimes we've just got to be persevering believers that intercede for people and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and in God's timing something will happen. Sometimes it's because of unconfessed sin. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There's an interconnection between sin and sickness. Now, there are a certain man had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Oh, duh, dumb question. The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another one steps down before me. So Jesus said to him, Rise up and take your bed and walk. He got up. Because afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more. Jesus knew that his sickness was connected to some sin in his life. Jesus had the grace to heal him. But sometimes we've got to confess with our mouth the thing that is holding us back and the healing will come. Sometimes it's because of unforgiveness or bitterness. We hold a grudge against somebody. And the, and the Bible clearly teaches, well, God won't give our transgressions if we don't forgive those who have sinned against us. There's a relationship there. Sometimes we're angry at people or people have done stuff to hurt us. We've got to get through and over that if we want healing to come. Sometimes people don't get healed because it's become their identity. Sometimes people have been sick for so long they don't know any other way to be and it's become like a familiarity to them. It actually brings them attention. They actually, there's a, there's a payoff for being sick and they don't really want to get well. They actually have become part of this sickness. They're becoming, in a sense, a victim. Sometimes it's just pride. 
Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honourable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valour, but he was a leper. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be made clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. There was pride there. He didn't want to do what Elijah had instructed him to do. He dug his heels in and said, No, he can come to me and he can put his hand on me and pray. He didn't follow the instruction. He was too proud to go and do what God asked him to do. And so his healing didn't come. Sometimes it's because of demonic influence. I'm sure if we had the eyes of God and we went through our community and saw a lot of the sickness, we would see it through the eyes of demonic possession. And that when deliverance ministry happened, a lot of these sicknesses would stop. I'm convinced of that. And Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Demons not only cause sickness, but they also hinder healing. Sometimes it's not a matter of praying for healing, but casting out demons. And then the healing comes. There's a spirit of infirmity in Luke 13, a spirit of epilepsy, a spirit of depression, deaf and dumb, spirit of blindness. Sickness is often because of the demonic activity in our mind, in our heart, in our emotions, in our spirit. And we've got to deal with that if we want to be well. Sometimes it's because of a lack of honour. Then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour, except in his own country. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. So Jesus didn't get honour for who he was and what he was doing. And so their unbelief worked out. No one got healed. There's been many times in our ministry where God has shown us the reason why somebody is sick and we've gone to them and we've shared that story with them and they've refused to accept it. And I know because of the prayer and the fasting and the searching of God's heart that we knew what it was. Sometimes it's ugly when God reveals it. But when you share that with someone and they refuse to accept that you've come to help them, there's really not much more you can do. It's a tragedy. But sometimes people won't listen when someone speaks into their life and says you're sick because of X, Y or Z and they get their back up. How dare you tell me that? When oftentimes it's the truth. And so we need not to be pride and we need to accept that sometimes people are going to speak into our life. And sometimes I believe it's purely because we just don't have an expectation. Silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, we've got to have an expectation of a, pe of a people that God wants to heal. And so when we come together and we gather around someone who's sick, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, sometimes if you're lacking faith, the scripture says the prayer is simply to come and ask others who have greater faith to pray for you. 
Sometimes when you're sick, it's very hard to see beyond your sickness. But what you can do is you can come and ask people who you know have greater faith and ask them to pray on your behalf. That's all you need to do is humble yourself and say, I don't have an answer, but I don't want to be sick anymore. Will you pray? And the scripture says to call the elders and the prayer of the elders will get that person well. Sometimes it's purely because of God's sovereignty that not everyone gets healed. As he went along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that works of God might be displayed in him. Sometimes stuff happens that we just can't get our head around. There's a lot of Christian people that have ended up being paraplegics or quadriplegics. Um, you guys all know Nick Vucek, the guy that was born without any limbs. Okay? And the amazing testimony that he has because of his deformity. Well, why doesn't God grow his legs and grow his arms and make him into a normal man? I don't know. That's the sovereignty of God. But that man's not lying around on a bed, woe is me. He's using the lot in life that God has given him to give glory to God. That man has a world platform, you know, just going around hugging people. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't understand why. Sometimes there isn't answers. But I'm not going to let the fact that God doesn't always heal people stop me from believing that a lot of times God's going to do something. And sometimes I think there's greater learning in the troubles, in the hardship, in the sickness. Sometimes they drive us to God. You know, if every time we got a little sniffle or we got a broken arm and we just prayed and God healed it, I don't know what sort of character we would have as a people. I think sometimes through the trials of sickness and hardship is where God really meets us when we cry out in desperation. You know, I've been fortunate that I've never really ever been Sick, sick, you know what I mean? Not on death's door. Only ever once was I really sick. And I had elders from the church come and pray for me. And the, the lady elder that came said, Mark, I'm not just going to pour this little flask on you. Just a little bit. I'm going to pour the whole thing over you. And she did. She poured it all over my head and it dripped all over. Do you know I got healed instantly in that situation? Yet I had wrestled with all those things. Why, Lord, is it my unbelief and my unforgiving went through the list? And I don't think it hurts us to do that because this is a complicated subject. But I want to see us be a church that hears the voice of the Father and responds to that in great faith. That's really all I wanted to share today. But I want us to be a people that see healing. I want us to believe that God wants to use us as a church, right across this community to see people not just saved, not just restored physically, but restored emotionally, restored mentally, and restored spiritually. And it's a subject that we're all going to have to grapple with. And if you're here today and you have a strong, bold belief that God can heal, I want to pat you on the back and say, go stronger and go harder. If you're somebody who's learning to step into those things, I want to say that you'll never see God heal anyone unless you take steps of faith. If you don't get out of your chair and pray for people, it'll never happen. You'll never have the privilege of seeing it. 
And that might be, you know, difficult at times. I remember when um, I took a mission trip to Fiji once, and there was a young guy with me called Nathan McDonald. And he, Nathan was um, a really bold, strong Christian guy. And we came across, um, we went into the bar hospital, and we came across a young boy who'd been horribly burnt in a bus accident. The bus had run off the road, the power lines had hit the bus, and the bus had got electrocuted, and this kid had got burnt. And he was hanging on to the seat, and he, all his arms were all burnt up. He was really, it was really difficult to look at him. Uh, he smelt really bad. It was pretty horrible. I took Nathan in, and we prayed for that young man. We laid our hands on him, and we prayed. And as we walked out of the hospital room, Nathan just burst into tears. He, wasn't, he was about 24, 25. And he just said to me, Mark, that's the, that's the first time my theology has collided with who I really think God is. And he said, I looked at that young man and I thought, I don't think God can do this. With my natural eyes, I don't know if I've got the faith to believe that God could heal this young guy. And so for a number of days, Nathan just cried. He just cried and cried because he knew something was happening in his belief system where he lacked the faith that he really wanted to have. And he was like he was ashamed that he didn't have the trust in God that he always thought he had. And he just cried for two days everywhere we went. He was just crying. He's a country boy from Dolby, brought up in a farm. He's not a crybaby. But he was really moved by God, that he wanted to see God heal people. And he was struggling with this. Anyway, a couple of days later, we were doing an out, outdoor rally. And um, I was speaking, and I could see Nathan at the very back of the, of the group of people that were gathered there, and he was jumping. And this is a country kid. Country kids don't jump. Okay, they don't have any physical exuberance at all. Now, he was jumping. They're just country kids aren't like that. They're very steady. He was leaping and he was screaming at the top of his voice and he was running behind the crowd, just jumping. I thought, something's happened. He's lost his Fruit Loops. He's really, he's really lost. The young guy that we had prayed for came up to him in the crowd and said, God healed me. He didn't even recognise the kid. He said, who are you? He said, what do you mean, who am I? You prayed for me two days ago in the hospital. Look, God healed me. Completely healed. Not just completely healed. And that has turned that young man's life, both of them, around completely. Because Nathan saw God do something. He'd have never seen that if he'd have never stepped into that situation. Was it cut and dry, black and white, easy? No. But God did something. And even though this might not be the easiest subject, we need to be people that are praying for healing because sometimes it will be the window in for people to realise that God is really there. Sometimes people have been preached at and spoken at for so long, they need to see a sign that God is real. We don't do it for the signs, but it's like a marriage of word and spirit together. And we get to hear the word and we get to see the word combined together. I want to see healing. And I want to believe in healing and want us to be a church that has this measure and level of faith that's ever increasing. Any of the revivals that you've ever read about, the people that prayed were bold, like really bold, almost like offensive bold. Like there was no room in their mindset for any doubt or any fear. It was like, right, Jesus' name, out, you go. You know, no messing around. They just had this, it's almost offensive sometimes when you see their methodology. But is their methodology wrong? Or they just have this passion for God. And who am I to water down their passion? 
where's the fruit? If people are getting healed, then we should cheer them on. And we should be a group of people that every life we come to, we've got to believe that something of God can be manifest through us and bless those people. Have you ever, for those of you who's been sick, like really sick, you know what it's like to live with that disability, that infirmity, the crippling nature that it has on your being as a person, how it stops you from doing things. It's horrible. I've got the man flu and I feel like committing suicide, like it's, it's just a cold, but you feel so bad. But I've never had a really debilitating sickness, so I don't know what it's like to get inside someone's heart and mind. But we need to hear those people. But we should hear them by never stop praying for them and believing that God can do something. And maybe there are reasons behind their sickness that we can help them get a grip on and come out of that sickness. Maybe it's because God just wants to glorify them in that situation. I don't know. But I know God knows. And he's sovereign. And he'll walk us through the journey. If people are sick for a reason, then he'll give us revelation as to why. If God's going to glorify himself through someone's sickness, surely he'll tell us why. That's happening. And we can rejoice in that. And his grace will be sufficient. If you live on planet Earth, you're going to get sick. If you live on planet Earth, you're going to struggle, even if you're a Christian. That's just part of being the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. The fullness is coming when one day there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more sickness. This body of ours will never grow old. I'll look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I won't have to pull my pants up anymore. The day is coming when that fullness is going to come. But that which was raised mortal will become immortal. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive will be caught up in the air and we will be clothed with the same body as Jesus had. And I long for that day. All creation is groaning. So I hope that helps you get some handle on healing. I'm no expert at it. But I do know this. The more people I pray for, the more healing I see. The less people I pray for, I don't see it. And so I want us to be a people that even though it's complicated sometimes, we can do it gracefully, but we can do it with authority and we can do it so we see God moving. And I want you never to fear laying your hands on someone and praying and trusting that God can use you to be his hands and his feet. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you that you give us this incredible privilege, this incredible honour to bring the kingdom of God into people's situations and to see the sovereign hand of God undo the schemes and the tactics and the wiles of the enemy. I thank you, God, that we have the privilege of that ministry, of seeing people set free, of seeing people come out from under the curse of sickness. I'm seeing eyes that are open to see, ears that are open to hear. And I thank you, Lord, that we can be a people of faith. And I ask, Lord, today, just a simple prayer, that you would increase our faith. Lord, you asked the disciples, will I even find faith on the earth when I come back? That's how concerned you were. 
Would there be a people that were bold enough to believe in the name and the person and the work of Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God, that it was just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago? That there's no difference between Peter and Paul than there is between Mark and John and Sam and Trent and Darren and Scott and Lorraine. The same spirit of the living God wants to use people today to heal so that the kingdom of God can come, so that the glory and the power of our king can be demonstrated through this nation. Lord, please help us to have a default place that we are bold, audacious people that pray bold, audacious prayers over the lives of those who are held captive in sickness. Lord, because we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray today for everyone in this room that has a gift of healing, that, Lord, you will somehow accelerate that gift, that you will somehow increase that gift and magnify it and enlarge it, God, and give them just this supernatural boldness, God, just to press in where there's clouds of doubt and fear and unbelief and all sorts of problems, God. Help them to just break through in the name and the power of Jesus Christ to bring the kingdom. And Lord, for those of us who've not yet really got a hold of this subject and and don't quite sure where we fit in, Holy Spirit, begin to break down the traditions and to begin to break down the fears that somehow healing is for some trained person or some hierarchy of elite Christians because it's not. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And God, I pray today that you would stir us up as a people to believe in you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work within us today. Father, help us to believe that with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength. And help us, God, to have a sense of your authority in us. That at the name of Jesus, every demon shall flee. Every sickness will be broken. So, God, I thank you that you entrust us, that you put into our hands the ministry of prayer, of healing, of touching lives that are broken and shattered, that have been mercilessly beaten up by the enemy. And Father, help us to break through those strongholds of the mind, those shattered hearts that need to be rebuilt, the bondage of mindsets, Lord, that are crippled by fear and doubt and anxiety, and rejection. Father, help us to be a people that carry the keys of the kingdom and we unlock that which the enemy has done. Lord, we want to set the captives free. What an awesome privilege to see people set free. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would give catalyst exactly that, the gift of being a catalyst for healing. That everywhere we go, whether it be in schools, 
workplaces, on trains, in shopping centres, in our neighbours' houses, wherever we go. Father, may we be a people that are bold enough to say, can I pray for you? I believe my God heals people. And Lord, we'll trust you to do the rest. So Father, stir up our faith today, Lord God. Stir it up because we want to go forward in faith. Forward in faith in the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for the times in our life where you've healed us. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you've taught us through our sickness, how to trust you. Lord, for those who are sick today, we bring them before you and we ask, Lord, give them revelation, Lord, to know what you're doing in their life and how you want them to respond. But, Lord, I pray that when you come back, you'll find us as a people who boldly believe the promises that you've given us. And these shall be the signs that will follow them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Lord, we hold on to that promise today. And we thank you that you give us the privilege of being part of that ministry. So Lord, we exalt you today. We thank you for who you are. We bless your name, that name above every other name's the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.